I'm thankful for the dedication of our musicians, aren't you? They come up here on Tuesdays and practice, and they uh, come early, uh, probably here before you get dressed sometimes on Sunday mornings. They're already here uh, practicing, so I'm thankful for them and how they bless us. Take your Bible and go to 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1 will be in verse 5 in just a few moments where we'll begin. This, this passage that we will deal with this morning really centers around the idea that God is light. Uh, and that has many connotations that John will get into here in just a moment. Now, you remember from last week that uh, the epistles, this epistle, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, each of these is a letter that John wrote. Uh, the epistles are letters that the apostles wrote, and we talked about that last week. And in those letters are, uh, are fantastic and valuable Christian doctrines and principles for us to learn and use in our lives, and no less true in this passage. John wrote this letter, if you will, to Christians, Christians who were in, in the first century in the various churches. And what would happen is these letters would be, uh, would be read in different churches. They would be passed around, and so... John wrote this letter to talk about the fact that God is light, and his topic, really beginning in the first part of this letter, has to do with fellowship. Now, it's very important to understand that Christians, and we talked about this last week, Christians have some unique fellowship. Fellowship is predicated on relationship. You can't have fellowship till you have relationship. We have, in two instances, relationship and fellowship connected. That's very important. Number one, if you're born again by faith in Jesus Christ, you have a relationship with God the Father. The moment you were saved by faith in Jesus, the Holy Spirit baptized you into the body of Christ so that now you have a relationship with God. Lost men and women don't have a relationship with God. Their sin separates them from God, much as our sins separate us before we came to Christ. So a Christian who has a relationship with Jesus Christ can then have fellowship with God the Father. Now, relationship can't be lost, but fellowship can be lost. Fellowship can be hindered. And that's what John's writing about here. He, he says, I want you to have fellowship with the Father. I want you as Christians to enjoy the benefits of your relationship with God the Father, which is primarily walking with him in fellowship. Now, secondly, there's another relationship fellowship arrangement. When we were born by the Holy Spirit into the body of, into the body of Christ, all who are saved become uh, brothers and sisters in Christ. We have a familial relationship spiritually in Jesus Christ, meaning if you're saved and I'm saved, we're related spiritually. You say, well, we don't look like we're related. No, that's the wonderful, beautiful part about, about the spiritual relationship. It doesn't matter where we come from. It doesn't matter who we are. It doesn't matter anything about this earthly arrangement that human beings might separate themselves by. What God does is he brings perfect unity in the relationship in Jesus Christ. We are related in Jesus Christ. Now, you say, well, pastor, uh, I like you, but I'm not sure I like you that much. Listen, you're going to have to put up with me for all of eternity because in heaven, related, we're, we're, we're all going to spend eternity with Christ. And so as brothers and sisters in Christ, we will be together worshiping around the throne uh, forever. And you'll get it in just a second. Uh, but listen, mo in connection to relationship is also fellowship. That means that in our relationship in Christ, John says, I want you to have fellowship together. I want you to have fellowship with the Father, and I want you to have fellowship with one another. I believe in this body of believers, in this local congregation. There are no perfect churches, but we have good fellowship here. 
We have good love and empathy and compassion for one another in the family of Christ. And we love one another in Christ. I told somebody that this week in an email. We were discussing a matter in church, and I said, I love you in Jesus, and, you know, no big deal. We'll deal with it. That's how we have fellowship in the body of believers. Now, John begins to deal here with the source of that relationship and fellowship, which is God himself, who gives us that. He allows us to have the relationship and the fellowship, and he begins to describe that fellowship with God in verse 5. So look at it with me. 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. Now, John says this. He said, this is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Now, if we could summarize this verse, what John's saying is if we're going to have a relationship and fellowship with God the Father, we have to do it on his terms. We can't do it on our terms, meaning we can't decide, well, you know, I know God and I know God this way. I've had people tell me before, you know, God, and I, this guy said one time, he says, the man upstairs and I have an understanding. I'm not sure which man upstairs you're talking about, in your house or in heaven, I'm not really sure, but the fact is you don't have an understanding with God. We don't come to an understanding with God. It's a one-way conversation. God said, I'm God, and here's how you have a relationship with me, and here's how you have fellowship with me, and there's no other way to do it. And that's what John is basically saying in this verse. He says, look, if we're gonna have a relationship with God and a relationship with one another, we have to do it in Jesus Christ. There's no way to do it. You just can't be religious and come together and call yourself a church. It's in Jesus. It's a spiritual thing that only God does. And, and notice what John, he tells us three things in this verse that are very important. Number one, he said the message is from him. Him who? Jesus. John was the apostle often spoken of whom Jesus loved. Doesn't mean Jesus didn't love the others. It just means that John, the apostle John, had a special affinity for Christ. He loved Jesus and he was close to him. He's the one who leaned on Jesus' breast at the Last Supper. John had a very special relationship with Jesus, not only saved, but walked with him. How appropriate that John would be the one to write about fellowship with God. And he said, look, we received this message, this message that I'm sharing with you, I got it from Jesus. You say, well, you know, when I read the New Testament, I don't see uh, Jesus saying this anywhere to John saying here, no, John himself said in John 21, 25, listen to this. And there are also many other things that Jesus did, which if they were written one by one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. There, was, there were a lot of things Jesus did and said that aren't recorded in the Bible. But John walked with Jesus and John said, hey, here's what Jesus told with you. Now here's what's important about that. This, this contrasts strongly with the false teachers and the true word of God. John said, look, the thing that I'm telling you, I didn't just make it up. The thing that I'm telling you, I didn't just come up with it. You know, the other 11 guys and I didn't get together and go, hey, let's come up with a story and let's all write it down. He said, no, I got this from Jesus. He gave it to me, which means it's truth. Secondly, he said this, God is light, period. Now that's not an attribute. Notice he said, God is light. When, when the Bible says God is something, that means that's his nature. That means it's what he is. Later, John will say, God is love. Well, love's not an attribute of God. It is who he is. God's, light is not an attribute of God. It is who he is. Well, what does it mean that, that God is light? Well, I'm glad you asked. I'm going to give you four things that it means, okay? God is light. You say, well, I, you know, how do, I, how do I comprehend that? Well, number one, light speaks of his glory. Every time you read in the Bible of an appearance of God on his throne, 
It's always brightness. And it's always described as brighter than the sun. Matter of fact, in Matthew 17, when Jesus was up on the Mount of Transfiguration, the very first thing it says in verses one and two of Matthew 17, when Jesus began to be transfigured, which what happened there was his glory that was, that was hidden or, or tabernacled, which means the tent was covered in human flesh. He let some of it out. And when he did, uh, Matthew wrote down and said, man, his, the, the brilliance was like the sun. His face, his face was brighter than the sun. We couldn't look at him. Well, what is that? God is light. God is light. It's his glory. It's his majesty. Listen, God is so, is so glorious and majestic that we can't comprehend it. I mean, we see people on earth who have respect and honor and we, and we respect them and we give them glory for whatever they do on the earth. God is light and his glory is above all comparison. The angels and the cherubim and the seraphim, they worship God. He is light. He is glory. Secondly, light speaks of his holiness and his purity. Light is always referenced in the Bible as, as purity, as holiness, and God is absolute purity. There's no degree of impurity in him. There's no degree of dimness. The brightness of God is so bright because he's holy. In fact, God is so holy, we can't be in his presence in these human bodies or we would die. God is, God is perfectly holy, which emphasizes to us our unworthiness and our sinfulness to be near him. Thirdly, not only does light speak of his glory and of his holiness, but it speaks of his revealing. I don't know about you, but the older I get, the more light I need to see. And I think, I'm not sure how that works, but you know, if I'm looking for something, the light on my, on my cell phone gets wore out because I, I can't see. Sometimes in a restaurant, they turn the lights down. Do you ever notice that? That worries me a little bit sometimes. What is it you don't want me to see? But when I get there and I try to read the menu, I can't read the menu. I'm holding it like this and like that. And finally I get out my phone and I shine it on there and it lights up the whole table. Sherry goes, do you have to do that? Yeah, I can't read, I can't read it. I want to see what I'm ordering. Then I want to see what it is when it gets here. So, But the fact that God is light means that it's revealing. God reveals. Listen, no, no human being would know the degree of their lostness, which is pretty severe, had God not revealed it to us, had not alighted the truth of the gospel, shed into our hearts so that we could understand. So the fact that God is light means that, that he's revealing. Jesus said this in John 8, 12. He said, I'm the light of the world. What a great statement. I'm the light of the world. Jesus said, he who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. It's revealing. What is, what is men and women's problem today? John also said this in John three nineteen, And this is the condemnation that light is coming to the world and men love darkness rather than light. That's the problem. Not that men can't see, not that light has not been shown into the world because God is light. I kind of liken it to this. The world loves sin and darkness so much. You know, if you walk around in the backyard, and in my backyard there's an old dead tree and the limbs keep falling out of it and I just let them keep falling. It's cheaper than having it cut down, by the way. It'll just fall down at some point. So it just keeps falling apart. And if the log lays on the ground long enough, things get underneath it and live there. You ever notice that? Sometimes snakes. But if you take your shoe when you go by and you kick the, you kick the log over, 
all these various creatures, and some of them have a lot of legs, and some of them have antennas, and you know, you know, I don't know what those things are, but they scatter. You know why? They don't like the light. They like the darkness. That's how human beings are. Man, when God shines a light on us, John said we love darkness more than we love light. And men and women scatter looking for more dark. Why? To try to hide their evil deeds and hide the wickedness in their heart. God is light. He reveals to us our sinfulness. Men and women are going to be responsible. The light has shown into the world. Jesus said, I am the light. And men and women reject Jesus. Fourthly, finally, light speaks of guiding and revealing. How do we walk the Christian life? How do we have this fellowship with God? Well, through his word. The light shines into our heart. It shows us the way. If we go out to walk at night, sometimes Sherry and I will take a, a walk and we've been busy and it's already dark, so I grab a flashlight. And I love those LED flashlights. Man, they're the bomb, aren't they? Well, they're good. I don't know if you use the bomb. They're, they're good. I mean, they're bright. You turn them on and, and poor cars that are coming down the road, they're weaving because they can't see now because you got your flashlight. They're bright. What do they do though? They show the way, don't they? I mean, they, they, they light the way so you know where you're walking, so you know where you're stepping. Do you know God's word does that for us? God does that for us. God shows us the way in life. He, he makes the way clear for us. He reveals truth. Hey, understand this about God and about truth and about him being the light. Truth is, truth is not merely intellectual. Truth is, is, is completely 100% moral. It's not just intellectual. It's not just knowing right and wrong. Truth is, is doing right and wrong. That's truth. That's truth in action. That's, that's shoe leather. The world today doesn't even know what truth is, let alone doing it. But God is the source of it. He's the light. He's the one who shows us. And then just to make sure that we understand, John adds this little phrase at the end of, of verse five. He says, and in him is no darkness. You see that? You say, well, that's kind of repetitive. No, he's just nailing it down. Okay, God is light, which means all these things. And in him is no darkness at all. What John wants us to understand is that, is that God is completely separate from anything that's unholy. Darkness in the Bible, just as light reflects and, and means holiness and righteousness and purity, so darkness in the Bible represents sin and wickedness and that which is, is, uh, is shameful and that which is hidden. And so in God is none of that stuff. You know, darkness and sinfulness have one result, and that's death. And there's no other, there's no other result. It's the, it's the end of the road for those who reject the light. It's always death. Now, death is physical. And I would, I would say and, and suggest that many, many there are who die premature physical deaths because of sin. Many of you know, and I've shared this before, I had, I had an older brother who was uh, four or five years older than me, and he was an alcoholic and addicted to drugs, among other things. And no matter how often I pled with him to leave that life, I even offered to bring him into my home and to, and to basically sit on him so he couldn't, uh, you know, couldn't do those things, and he wouldn't do it. He wouldn't walk away from it, and it killed him. He, he died an alcoholic. It, it, he, sitting by a fire one night, he drank himself to death. They found him the next morning dead. So sin and darkness has a very real price. And many times it is premature physical death because of those things. You say, sometimes we'll say, Pastor, you really, and sometimes I really beat up the issue of alcoholic beverages. Well, that's why, because I, I, it, it took my brother, 
you know, as, as, a, as an addiction. But the fact is, sin always leads to that. It doesn't matter what it is, pick it. It's darkness and it leads to death. But the more severe part of that is not just physical death, but darkness and sin always leads to spiritual death, which is separation from God forever and forever and forever. See, lost men and women are separated from God in this life. But when they die without Christ, they are now permanently separated from God forever in a place of punishment. And we call it hell, we call it Hades, but it is a place of punishment and will eventually be the eternal lake of fire. And so what John said here is God is light and in him is no darkness. And here's the, here's the fact. Men and women have a choice today. They can have a relationship with light, with God and have life, or they can continue in their darkness and have death. We can have light and life and fellowship with God and good fellowship with one another, or men and women can choose darkness because there is pleasure in sin for a season, the Bible says, but the, but the price of it is far too high. The price of it is death and it's not worth it. And so John lays that out before us that to have this fellowship with God, that, that we, we have a relationship with God and then we have fellowship with them. Now, the last thing I wanna tell you about light and darkness, and we'll move very quickly into verses six and seven is this. Light and darkness are always at odds with one another, aren't they? Darkness is always trying to overcome light. But if you ever notice when you walk into a dark room and you turn a light on, the darkness goes away. Wherever there's light, there isn't darkness. That's pretty wonderful, isn't it? Where God is, there's no darkness. Where God is, there's no death. Where God is, there's life and there's holiness and there's righteousness. And here's the good news. That's what God's done for us if you're saved. He's removed death, he's removed darkness, you say, oh, pastor, I'm still struggling in my flesh. Yeah, we're gonna get that in just a minute. But the fact is, God has removed the darkness and the death and he's given us life. Listen, you know this passage very well. John chapter one, verses one to five. In the beginning was the word. The word was God and the word was with God. That's Jesus. He was in the beginning with God. Now listen, all things were made through him and without him, nothing was made that was made. Jesus created everything. In him was life and the life was, listen, the light of men, because God is light. And the light shines in the darkness. Is it not shining in the darkness of the world today? Listen to this. And the darkness did not comprehend it. And in the Greek, the darkness, it means the Greek wants to overcome the light, but it cannot. You look at the world today, and sometimes I'm discouraged. And I see the darkness in the world. And I see the sin, and I see the open rebellion against God, and it hurts my heart country and it, and it hurts my heart. But then I, then I remember passages like this, the darkness tries to overcome the light, but it cannot. Why? Because God is light and he will overcome in the end. Now, let's talk more specifically about the fellowship with God, he being light. Look at verses six and seven. Here's the obvious conclusion of what John just said, the obvious application, if you will. He said in verse six, if we say, now he's talking to Christians here. If we say that we have fellowship with him, with, with Jesus, with God the Father, and we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Here's the practical application of verse five. 
Because God is light and because we must have fellowship, relationship and fellowship with him on his terms, here's what John says to us Christians. If we say, if we profess, if we act like, if we show up at church and look like Christians on Sunday morning, but the rest of our life is full of walking in darkness and we say that we have fellowship with God the Father, what did John just say? Liar, 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 your pants on fire. That's what he said. If we say that we have fellowship with God and yet we walk in darkness, John said, that's not possible. Now he didn't say we lose our salvation. He's simply saying that as Christians, as children of God, if we walk in darkness, meaning we go to a carnal lifestyle, we allow our, our flesh to rule us and we live according to the flesh, we forfeit our fellowship with God the Father. Why? Because he's light and we're walking in darkness. Even though we're saved, it's possible for a saved person to walk in the flesh. Read 1 Corinthians chapter one. Paul dealt with a whole church full of Christians who were carnal and he called them that. He said, are you not carnal? Are you not living in the flesh? And what John's saying here is if we do that and profess outwardly that we're walking with God, he said, you're lying. He said, we're lying. We're being hypocritical. Now listen, lost men and women have, have no other way to live. They're lost. They have no relationship with God. And I've said this over and over and over. As Christians, we should not be angry at lost people for living like lost people. Shouldn't be mad at them. We should love them and have compassion for them and try to win them to Jesus. I don't hate anyone. Now, if they're being wicked and hurting people, then yeah, we need to put a stop to that. But just because lost people do what lost people do, how do they know any better? You know how they're gonna know better? Tell them about Jesus. You know how to stop abortion? Win the doctor to Jesus. He or she won't kill any more babies. You know, how, you know how to stop all the, all the immorality that's going on? Lead people to Jesus, because when they get saved, the Holy Spirit will draw them away from those lifestyles. Lost people don't know any better, but save people. Save people, you and I. We know better. We're saved, and we should not walk in darkness. Now, what does it mean to, to lose fellowship with God? It means to be miserable as a Christian. That's what it means. It means to be convicted and the Holy Spirit convicting us and the, and the Holy Spirit convicting us every day. You know why some Christians are really cantankerous in the church? Because they're not out of fellowship with God and they're miserable about it. Doesn't mean they're not saved. It just means they're, they're, they're living in a difficult way because they're not walking with God. God saved us to walk with him and to walk in the light. You say, well, Pastor, what does it mean to walk in the light? Well, you get right down to nitty gritty. Listen to 1 Peter 1, 15 and 16. But as he who calls you is holy, you also be holy in your conduct, in all your conduct. Because it is written, be holy for I am holy, says the Lord. Here it is, you ready? God calls us every day, every moment of the day to be holy, to walk in obedience to his commands, to be holy. Now I know what you're thinking right now. In this human life, that is impossible to be perfect. And you're right. If the, if, the, if the requirement was perfection, we would all be excluded. But it doesn't mean perfection. I'm gonna give you five things that it means. Are you ready? And you need to really listen to this because this will change your life and how you approach walking the Christian life and walking in the light and having fellowship with God. Number one, 
It means to willingly, listen, willingly accept the obligation to be like him. Too many Christians get, too many people get saved and they're Christians and they really don't accept the obligation that I'm called to be holy. They don't really accept the obligation that, hey, I am called to stop sinning and to be obedient to God. They, they, just, they just don't make the connection. No, listen to me. Listen to me online. If you're saved by faith in Jesus Christ, we are to willingly accept the obligation that God has commanded us to be holy. It's my responsibility to pursue holiness with every fiber of my body, to pursue it, to put away evil, to put over the song we sang, the evil things that your eyes might see, the thing your mind might comprehend, the, 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 the concepts of your heart and your mind that you might ponder. We're to put that stuff away. And when it tries to encroach on your life, you pray and put it away. Pursue holiness, it's the obligation. Number two, we accept the obligation to pursue holiness and shun evil. Too many Christians don't do that. Don't do that. Oh, it's just life. It's just the way things are. This area of my life is okay. No, it's not. No, it's not. Number three, we never think that sin does not matter. There's a lot of, a lot of Christians who think sin just don't matter. I'm saved. God's going to forgive me. It's okay. I can do whatever I want. Nope. What did God say? Be holy because I'm holy. I would suggest, before we look at the last two, I would suggest this. And I listen, I examined this in my own life before I come in here and say it to you. The greatest weakness in the church in America today is a failure to do this. A failure to be holy. It's allowing sin and thinking that it's okay. Now I could tell you some stories. I can tell you some stories that make you shake your head. But they're no worse, these public stories, than the personal sin that we allow in our lives and think it ain't no big deal. Because God said, be holy. Number four, we commit to spend our whole life pursuing holiness with a penitent heart when we fail. We, we pursue our whole life. We commit to spending our whole life pursuing holiness. And when I fail, I ask God to forgive me and I get back on the path and I pursue holiness with a greater fervor. You know what failure does for us as Christians? Gives us a greater passion to not do that again. Gives us a greater passion to pursue holiness when we failed. God knows we're gonna fail. That's why we confess and he forgives. But we commit to be holy and pursuing a life of holiness and confession when we fail. Number five, we, we commit to follow Jesus and obey everything he told now, listen, there'll be people, they might even email me this week. Man, that's such legalism. It's not legalism. It's not legalism if God told us to do it. Now, if man comes up with it and makes it religious, that's legalism. But if God said to do it, it's not legalism. What did God say to do? Be holy because I'm holy. That is the requirement to walk in fellowship with God the Father, holiness. Now watch this. This is like school today, isn't it? This is not really a sermon you get, but it's good, listen. We have this relationship with God. Now follow this real quick. We have this relationship with God that we didn't do anything to earn. He gave it to us for free. Jesus bought it. Jesus went to the cross, died on the cross, paid for our sin, 
put him in the tomb. He rose the third day. He's at the right hand of the Father. And when we, on the day you cried out to God and said, Lord, I'm a sinner. I, I, I get it. I'm, man, I deserve judgment, but I want grace and I want mercy. And you ask Jesus to forgive you. God the Father pardoned your sin. Listen to me now. Past, present, and future forever. That's judicial. That's judicial, okay? Judicially, God laid on your account holiness, the holiness of Jesus Christ. He laid on your account and on mine the holiness and righteousness of Jesus. But now there's the practical living of it, okay? We still sin and we still fail. So, so, so what happens? Look at the last part of verse seven. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Now watch this. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. There are two aspects to this. There is the initial judicial cleansing, meaning God declared us to be righteous in Jesus Christ forever. And nothing can ever change that. That's why your salvation is secure. You can't lose it because God gave it to you. You didn't earn it. That's the judicial part that can never be undone. But there is the practical part of living out the Christian life where we are obligated by command of God himself to pursue holiness. Now, when we fail and we come up short and we ask God to forgive us, that's the continual cleansing of the blood of Christ. It's not the continually saving us over and over and over every day like some people errantly think it is. No, it is the ongoing cleansing in our fellowship with God, keeping the fellowship in place. Here's what happens, you're walking with Jesus. You confessed up and you had your prayer time and man, you, you go out of the house and you're doing good. You're talking to Jesus in the car. You got the music on the, on the radio and you're singing praises of Jesus. And then the guy cuts you off and your brain, oh man, you, and then your brain and your words go from Jesus to you sorry joker. And you know, and you do that thing. And then immediately you go, well, Lord, I wasn't very holy right then. And I wasn't, and I, you know, and you tell God, and you say, Lord, I'm sorry for doing that. Well, the fellowship's unbroken then. You follow what I'm saying? In other words, you didn't, now you're, you're still not, even though you just sinned, you say to God, God, I'm sorry for doing that and I should have done it. The continual cleansing of the blood, the continual washing, and it's even deeper than that. It's even better than that. Do you know that we sin and we don't even realize we sin? We, 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 are, we are so undone in our humanity that we fail God, and sometimes we don't even re realize when we did it that we failed him. I know in my life, sometimes I'll be sitting around uh, praying or thinking or reading the Bible, and God will bring to my mind something I did or said, and I'll think, oh my goodness, I, I did do that, or I did say that, or I did think that, or I did. Well, I, I sinned back here, and I just now realized that I sinned over here. What happened all in between? The blood of Jesus continually cleanses me. This, listen, this holiness thing and this fellowship with God, and we'll, we'll finish, is predominantly, listen to me, predominantly about our attitude and our commitment. God does all the heavy lifting. God does all the forgiving. God does all the cleansing. God does all the keeping us close. But he won't do it for his child who's being obstinate. He won't do it for his child who's being resistant, who's pushing him away. You understand that when our fellowship with God the Father gets broken and we feel like we're far away from Jesus, he's still right where he was. We're the one who walked away, okay? 
And that's this whole idea about fellowship here. He's light and he's holiness. And if we're going to have fellowship with them, not the relationship that's settled, if we're going to have fellowship with them and walk the Christian life in victory, we have to pursue holiness. We must pursue holiness. I pursue it every day and come up short. You might do better than me. I don't know. But God knows in my heart of hearts that I'm pursuing it. And that's what I want. And it keeps my fellowship with God where it ought to be. Now, let me close with this. Why is it important that we walk with God? You say, I'm saved no matter what. I'm going to heaven. You know, if I'm over here or over here, I'm close to God. I'm not close to God. What's the big deal? Well, I've been saved long enough to know it's miserable when I'm not walking with Jesus. Man, it's just miserable. Just every day, you know, struggling and fighting with yourself and with God. It's just miserable. But more important than that, more important than that, if I, if I need to pray to the Heavenly Father, I don't want to have to climb over a pile of sin in my life and a bunch of mess to go talk to God about something that I really care about. God forbid something happened to one of my kids or my wife and I need to pray and I have to be like Peter, Lord save me going down for the you know, last time and God I need your help and I need you to hear me right now. I don't want to have to deal with a bunch of sin before I get to that point. I don't want to have to tell God, I'm sorry for being way over here. Now I want to be close to you. And oh, by the way, I need you to really help me right now. I want to ask God because I'm standing next to him and I've been talking to him all day and I want it to be natural so I can just say to him, oh, by the way, God, we got this issue going on and I really need you to take care of it. I know God hears me no matter what, but I feel a whole lot better about it when I'm standing next to God talking to him than standing way over there. Everybody following me? So the Christian life is much better, not to mention, not to mention the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to do what God wants us to do when we're walking with him. So this morning, God is light. And John tells us that in light of the fact that he wants us to have fellowship with the Father. He wants us to be close to him. And if our fellowship with the Father is what it ought to be, then our fellowship with one another is what it ought to be. Last thing. Nowhere, nowhere on the face of the planet is that more important than in the marriage. If a husband and wife have this relationship right, walking with God, then this relationship will be a piece of cake. Maybe not a piece of cake. It'll be easier, okay? If this relationship is right, then this relationship will be right. If this relationship is not right, if one of the two of them is living a carnal lifestyle away from God, then this relationship's going to be really challenging because this one's not right. Having fellowship with God is really important in the Christian life, and we have to do it by pursuing holiness. Look, this morning, if you're here in the balcony down here, and you've never prayed to receive Jesus Christ, you don't even have a relationship with him. That's the first thing that you need to have fellowship with him. Would you come to Christ this morning? Would you confess your sin? Would you ask him to save you? Jesus died for you on the cross. Would you ask him to save you today? Let's pray. Lord, help us to understand, God, how important it is that we walk in the light, that we walk in this life filled with the Spirit, pursuing holiness, pursuing what you called us to do and be. God, I pray this morning for the men and women who are watching online, for those who will watch this video, for those who are here this morning in the early service. God, if there's somebody here 
who is without Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray right now from their seat that they would just call out to you, God, I'm a sinner, I know it. And I believe Jesus Christ, your son died for me on the cross and paid for my sin. And by all the faith I have, I ask you to save me right now. God, you will save anybody who will call. And God, once we're saved, let us understand that it is about pursuing holiness. God, we can never obtain perfection in this life, but there's coming a day when we're gonna get a new body and be removed from even the temptation of sin. And God, we will be perfectly holy in that day. Let us labor in this life and through your power and through walking close to you, Lord, pursue holiness so that your name is exalted and you are honored in it. Bless this invitation in Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand as we sing. I'll be glad to pray with you or help you this morning if you come.